Welcome to Technovation. I'm Peter High. I'm pleased to welcome Angela Yocum and George Lado to the broadcast. Angela is the Executive Vice President and Chief Transformation and Digital Officer of Novant Health, an integrated healthcare provider with annual revenues exceeding $7 billion annually. Prior to joining Novant Health, Angela held CIO roles at Renta Center and BDP International and was the Chief Technology Officer of AstraZeneca. George Lotto is the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Alexion Pharmaceuticals, a $7 billion revenue organization focused on serving patients and families affected by rare diseases by providing highly innovative, life-changing therapies for the diseases it treats. Prior to joining Alexion, George spent 25 years at Merck & Company. In this interview, we focus on the power of ecosystems. Angela discusses the importance of leveraging ecosystems to drive innovation at scale, and she shares the story of how Novant Health formed an unconventional partnership with Stuart Haas to build ICU carts for overrun hospitals. Meanwhile, George discusses Alexion's strategy of cultivating relationships with startups and venture capital firms to accelerate innovation, as well as his approach to strategic planning. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book's available now on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. As a special offer to our CXO listeners, if you purchase 50 or more books for your team, I'd be happy to lead a discussion on the book with your team. To learn more, write us at info at or visit gettingtonimble.com. This interview was recorded live during the MetaStrategy Digital Symposium on March 30th. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Digital transformation is a journey, not a destination. Technology decisions teams make today determines the success of tomorrow. That's why Aptio is dedicated to helping companies harness the power of trusted, actionable insights. It's called technology business management, and more than 60% of the Fortune 100 are already using it to speed their innovation. Learn more about how Aptio can help you connect your technology decisions to better business outcomes. Visit Aptio.com. And now on to the interview. Um, Angela Yoakum, the Chief Transformation and Digital Officer uh, of Novant Health. George Lotto, the Chief Information Officer of Alexion Pharmaceuticals. Welcome to you both. It's so great to see you. Good to be here. Thank you. It's very fun to be here. Thanks. Wonderful. Angela, let me speak, start with you, if I may. Uh, you are a, a, a seasoned technology executive uh, at Novant Health, as I mentioned, which uh, is the chief transformation digital officer, um, a role that you, a company you've been with for three, three plus years. Uh, you've been the chief information officer at, at Renta Center at BDP International. You were the chief technology officer of AstraZeneca, uh, a company that recently is, uh, uh, announced its acquisition of George's business, uh, Alexion. We'll talk perhaps briefly about that in a moment. But I, I've um, I've really found remarkable having had the chance to collaborate with you in a variety of different lights and and seeing you among other people uh, at at presentations from startups or at uh, you know d developing partnerships in unusual ways. You you have I I would say an unusual ability to have your radar constantly up and aware such that you look at the translation from what you are learning potentially back into your business in some really creative ways. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about, first of all, your orientation, uh, uh, how it is that you think in that way, and maybe you can provide an example to bring that to life if you would. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, for your kind words. Um, funnily enough, um, my, my perspective was expanded um, to opportunities well outside the traditional vendor landscape when I joined AstraZeneca from Dell Technologies years and years and years ago. I noticed that our R&D teams at AstraZeneca, this is a long time ago, 
And pharmaceutical companies had just figured out, you know, within the last, you know, say five years before I joined, that all the great ideas and discoveries of new medicine weren't going to come from just within their four walls, because historically that's how it had been, right? And so, you know, over the course of the the, the years prior to my joining, the R&D teams had started building very interesting partnerships with not just with small startup research lab type entities, but also, you know, university labs and other research institutions and, and defining really interesting constructs for, um, partnering with these third party types to, uh, to, to bring forward medicines that are game changing for their, you know, for, for our society. So, um, in seeing that in action, it became obvious to me that in fact, you know, I should probably be doing the same thing. <laughs> And so, you know, but if you think about the way in which large enterprises typically would at least traditionally approach partnerships of any sort with a third party, they're, they're crushing. You know, they, they would, they would bankrupt a startup, you know, if, if you try to put them through the normal, you know, hoops through which most vendors have to, conventional vendors have to jump. Uh, so the first thing that we had to do is, is craft, uh, some basic constructs that allow it to be very, very easy. And I've subsequently done this in every company where I've been. Um, very easy to, to engage, uh, rather unconventionally with a variety of third party types. So it's not just startup community. It's not just universities, although certainly they, they're part of the ecosystem. Uh, you know, it, it may be peer organizations. It may be organizations that are in a completely different business line of business than we are that are not even remotely touching, uh, our, our industry in as much as, uh, industries still have boundaries these days, which is a, another topic entirely. <laughs> but, but these are things that, uh, these are things that I, I think uh, we all now know, you know, I, I would hope we're no longer having buy versus build conversations in the traditional sense. I hope where everyone is now having a, the conversations about how to best bring a capability forward and getting really creative about it. Um, George, the other George, not this George, the other George was talking about Formula One race cars. And it triggered a, a memory, a recent memory. Um, of course, Novant Health is a large integrated healthcare system. Um, we, of course, have uh, been on the front lines of the global pandemic. Um, one of the things that happened early on in the pandemic is, um, is of course, the, the fear we saw in several cities, and none of the cities, thank goodness, um, that are part of the communities we serve, but many large cities in the U.S. experienced an overrun of hospitals. And part of that wasn't just that the hospitals themselves didn't have the physical capacity to serve patients, but rather there weren't enough intensive care unit rooms to serve patients. And so hospitals are equipped typically to expand their intensive care services by quickly spinning up conventional rooms as intensive care, as ICU rooms. And we do this in part by the use of little carts, ICU carts, we call them, that roll from you know storage into a conventional hospital room and they become part of the ICU monitoring kit. Well, of course, at the beginning of COVID, with every hospital in the country worried they aren't going to have enough ICU carts, ICU carts were on back order for six months. Now, it so happens that Stuart Haas Racing, which designs Formula One race cars and NASCAR race cars <laughs> and runs its own NASCAR teams, their location is very, very close to one of our distribution centers. They're our neighbors. Our guys see each other at the, you know, at lunch. I mean, these are, they're right next to bar. And, you know, we got to talking and, and, uh, um, uh, the, the good folks over at, uh, at Stuart Haas said, you know, we're not racing right now. Everything's shut down. How about we, you know, what, what can we build for you? What can we do for you? We have world-class engineers. I mean, my goodness, 
I'm sure they tested our, our ICU carts they ultimately built for us in a wind tunnel. I mean, these things probably go zero to 60 in, in no time at all. But they ultimately designed and built and, you know, painted <laughs> and delivered um, ICU carts to us that we couldn't get anywhere else. It's an interesting example of, you know, if we had just gone through our traditional <laughs> vendor uh, community, that's not necessarily a tech uh, solution, but it certainly was part of what my team was responsible for delivering. Um, if we had gone through the traditional vendor channel, we, we wouldn't have had the number of ICU carts that we needed. So uh, we ended up, that's an example of an unconventional partnership that, you know, we're set up to do that sort of thing. And, and they were uh, kind enough to step up and help us. Uh, let me turn to you, George. Um, so yours is an organization, Alexion, uh, in 2007 was a $60 million revenue company. It is now in excess of $2.5 billion in revenue. Uh, no, no, make that $6 billion. <laughs> say, say it again? $6 billion. <laughs> Six billion. I beg your pardon. Forgive me. What's it grown even more than I'm expecting? I I I, uh, I had noted. So forgive me for that. Uh, and and uh, I mentioned the announcement of a thirty nine billion dollar acquisition from AstraZeneca in December. So a lot a lot has changed. Um, yes. And part of what you have told me in the past, the secret of keeping up with this growth, you have been uh, for more than six years now the chief information officer of Alexion Pharmaceuticals, has been in fact curating a great ecosystem to bring that to life. Uh, and part of what I find particularly interesting about your story is the way in which you have thought about your relationships with Silicon Valley and the ways in which you have embraced those partnerships as sources of insight, sources of partnership, and, and means of gaining new new uh, ideas to bring back to your business. And in fact, actually curating uh, field trips with executives. Talk a bit about the way in which you've sure. done it. Sure. For me, I've I've one of the channels that I've I've sprouted in the last five years, actually six years at Alexion. Um, is is this ecosystem of innovation using venture capitalism, and and so you know a lot of folks you know back when I worked for a large pharmaceutical company we we always took trips to Silicon Valley so it really wasn't about about Silicon Valley even though the stigma is there but it was more about the relationships that were cultivated and and so over the years we had cultivated relationships with small. Um, with small venture capital firms, mid-sized and large, right? So from the Sierras, right, and 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 the the Canans to the to the batteries, right, and 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 the Andreessons, and 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 so the the interesting thing that we had wanted to start up at Alexion, and I'll give you a little bit of history. Um, when I joined Alexion, um, Forbes had a list of the top of the top twenty-five most innovative companies in the world, and and Alexion, who I didn't know. Before I interviewed, I didn't know. People still don't know what Alexion Pharmaceuticals is. Um, it, it, it was third out of 25. There was Tesla, there was Salesforce, and then it was Alexion. And, and if, and if you look into Alexion and look at the products that we had at that time and still have, they were incredibly innovative, still innovative, can't be copied, can't be beat, right? So think, think, so think about me walking into a, an organization with highly innovative scientists. Right, they're discovering molecules that are way out of this world that people aren't thinking about and saving people's lives in the ultra rare rare disease space. And and I'm kind of freaked out because I've got to innovate on top of innovators. And and so so my my thoughts were to understand what their challenges were in year one, in year two, in year three. And for the first two years, I took those challenges, I walked them over to my four or five key partners that I still do every year. And I said, here are the challenges, beat that. And, and what they would do is they would bring three people and a dog working in a garage 
And we would do literally 12-minute shark tanks. And we'd do 40 a week, literally. And they would come up with these amazing ideas, right? And again, I'll take it back to the 1980s, 90s when innovation was IBM, right? And then it became Microsoft. And like those days are over, right? They're, they can't innovate. They're too big to innovate. And, and so in the 2000s, 2010, I couldn't go to them for innovation. Now I've got these three people and a dog in the garage, maybe a cat. And, and they're coming up with amazing ideas. And in 2016, a company called Zoom was one of them. Okta was another. Box was another, right? And Viva was a midsize at that point. And, and so all of these, what I call best athletes, we started to pick and choose. And not only did the VCs become part of ecosystem, but the best athletes became part of ecosystem. And they're now platforms that we're jumping off on to innovate incredibly once you start to stitch them together. Very interesting. Great, great examples as well in terms of some of those relationships uh, with companies that you had an early lead on by virtue of uh, having relationships with those companies that had invested in them as well. And I love this whole concept of the need to innovate on top of the innovators being a way to sharpen the knives of your uh, of your intellect and your your, your team's collective intellect uh, to make sure making sure that you were aware of where innovation might come. Uh, yeah. I, I, turning back to you, Angela. Uh, as one thinks about constituent groups to innovate with, as the, the data showed, one of the major ones is with customers. In your situation, of course, your customers are your patients. Um, talk a bit about the way in which your team uh, works with patients to understand their experience and an experience, of course, that is evolving. And I know a number of uh, sort of habits that are changing in, in terms of how one accesses one's doctor and healthcare, more generally speaking, of course, in light of uh, the situation in the past year. Talk a bit about how that collaboration takes place in an environment like Novon Health. And again, if you have an example of some of the fruit of that collaboration, we'd love to hear that as well. Great. Well, thanks, Peter. So we do uh, we do recognize that, of course, our patients are they don't feel like customers when they're a patient. Um, we want them to have a world class consumer experience. But typically, if they are seeing us uh, more often than not, it's not a proactive activity. It's a reactive activity. And so we are. Um, Certainly cognizant of the fact that, you know, trying to engage them at that moment and, and, and gain insights from them may be a slightly suboptimal approach. Uh, so what we've done is we've built a 7,500 give or take uh, person um, focus group for all things related to digital um, uh, solutions. So we have 7,500 people. Most of them are patients. Some of them are community members because we, of course, serve the communities and, and uh, strive to keep our communities healthy. Uh, one patient at a time, but, uh, but uh, you know, as communities, we, we pay very close attention to that. And we, uh, we leverage this group to understand the desirability of things that we pursue. So as you can imagine, as part of any, you know, new business, new solution, um, intake process, we think about, you know, is this, is this feasible? Is it viable? Is it, is it scalable? Um, uh, but before we even get to any of those questions, we ask, is it desirable? And so we tag this 7,500 person group all the time. I mean, several times a week, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. We ex we typically get about a thousand responses from any query that we send out. This is a highly engaged group of people. Um, we ask them if, if this is something that they would like. Is it something they would use? Is it something for which they'd pay? Is it something for which they, you know, that, that they'd expect to have just as part of a normal service offering from us? Um, we pressure test all sorts of things. We also make sure to engage our business resource groups, which are our affinity groups for our team members. And because of um, their active engagement, we're able to get a broad 
um, a broad swath of perspectives um, to be applied to any solution set that we consider as well. So these, and this, it's a constant growth of, of context and perspective uh, as a result of this active and, and proactive engagement that we have with these groups. Um, examples. Um, wow, there, there are so many. Uh, I'll give you an example of some of the things that have just happened over the last couple of years, maybe a year, a couple of years that, that, that certainly involved the patient community um, quite intensively. Um, so we built in, in Charlotte, we built a beautiful new gleaming cancer center. I mean, it's a stunning building. It's gorgeous. Um, the infusion center, which is one of the floors, uh, well, it's, it's par- part of one of the floors of the, of the cancer center, uh, has floor to ceiling windows and it overlooks uptown Charlotte and it's just beautiful, beautiful. If you're having an infusion, you're sitting in the chair, like a gorgeous, massage chair and you're looking out over the, the skyline. One thing that this infusion center does not have, doesn't have a waiting room. Hmm. There's no waiting room. We built it with no waiting room <laughs> intentionally because what we were able to do is work with a couple of partners and of course our um, patient community to design a process and a technology solution that very precisely manages the patient's location, their their point at which they enter the infusion center, the chair to which they need to go, the 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 status of any given infusion at a given chair. Um, it takes as input a variety of of um, trigger uh, movements from uh, from not only the patients but the staff that's working in the infusion center from the chair itself. And as a result. We don't have a backlog. So if you're a cancer patient and you've already been to see your hematologist and then you've gone on and you've seen somebody else and you're finally walking into the infusion center, you're not waiting in a third waiting room. You're just walking on in and sitting down. Here I am. All right, let's get this done. And um, that's an example of something that has been a great satisfier for, for patients who are, you know, struggling with something I hope most of us don't ever have to understand. What a, what a, what a great example that is, Angela. Thank you. Thank you for offering that. Um, and, and certainly uh, it, one can see how that would really change the way in which people think about that experience, which so often, of course, if one's using the healthcare uh, industry of its services, it's often with issues in mind and making, making it a more comfortable and, and dignified uh, circumstance. Uh, certainly, I'm sure makes all the difference. Um, George, I wanted to turn back to you. One of the things I found fascinating about your journey is you made a bold claim that despite the tremendous growth that I, I highlighted earlier, uh, that you'd never have an IT team that surpassed 200 people. And the key to that was building a world-class partner ecosystem. Uh, in, a, in the couple of minutes that we have left, uh, enlighten us as to um, that process, how you thought about that, how you've how that has uh, led to a team who, who average contribution to strategy within the organization is much higher and the like. Tell a bit about that story in that perspective. Yeah, that's that's actually been uh, quite quite a journey, and and it's um, it, it it doesn't happen in two weeks or two months. Right. It's, it's take it's taken years and years to um, to envelop. And and it's 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 really about the fact that we put a stake in the ground that it doesn't matter if there's a company that's five thousand, fifty thousand or one hundred thousand. We we would build to a certain point with strategy and architecture being the paramount crown and then delivery. Right. And execution coming from the perimeter. 
And and we're not I'm not I'm not talking 2005 2006 offshore right and and that's that's not where I'm going um, whether India Asia etc that's 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 not the direction it is a an ecosystem of partners anywhere that could satisfy our demands if we have the view a good view into demands and gave it to them would they would they be able to build an elastic environment. For me to deliver anything that me or my constituents would wish, and 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 over years, and we you know we fell on our faces a couple of times, and over years, we we refined exactly how how that could occur, and and it's and it's 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 matured to a really nice place where I'm I'm almost smiling, I'm almost smiling, and and it, and and it's all about understanding first of all what your roadmap is, Peter, right? How are you going to get you know, your first year? You're very clear, right? So it's 2021. I, by this by this summer, I should have a really clear view of what 22 looks like. I have an okay view of what 23 looks like and 24, I can't even order lunch, right? I'm throwing a dart, right? And everyone claims they can do three to five year plans. They can't, right? And so my one to twos are really, really stiff and rigid. And I, I bring all of that strategy and demand to my four or five humongous ecosystem partners. And I give it to them in strategy. I'll bring a CEO, I'll bring a head of research, and they will talk to them about the strategy. And then we will sit down and craft what that strategy looks like. And so when the time comes, I pull the lever on demand, right? And 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 20 clowns come out of the clown car, right? As 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 I need. And 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 if I don't need it, if business needs change, then I put them back in the car and send them away. But it's this elastic environment and it's and it's about trust. It's not about a rate card, right? It's about we're in the business together. I expect you to wear the Alexion t-shirt. I expect you to act like an employee. I expect you to understand the business and 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 walk with me like you're part of my organization. And and that's worked out spectacularly. That's fantastic. What great examples. Well, Angela Yoakum, George Lotto, thank you both so much for, for joining us today, for sharing a bit about uh, the way in which you think about cultivating great ecosystems to real bright lights, uh, the best that I know at doing so. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you, Peter, and congratulations on the book.